Welcome to the Simplest Complex Podcast. I'm your host, Soaring Hummingbird. Today we welcome Christian Olivas. Before I can start a dialogue with myself, my alter ego, Soaring Hummingbird, I have to be answered to the three pillars. Am I free? Yes. Am I open? Yes. Am I ready to talk about us and not we and I? Yes. So let's soar. Anger affects all of us. I wonder how it affects me. For me, my anger forced me to stay in my current state. It didn't allow me to move on. It didn't allow me to explore new horizons. It made me bitter. It made everything dark. Why do you feel anger? And how do you feel it? And how does it control you? Or does it control you? Have you freed yourself from it? I say I'm in the process of freeing myself from my anger and bitterness. My anger makes me feel lonely. How about you? Do you feel lonely whenever you feel angry? Do you feel the world is against you? Do you feel you have to tackle all your problems on by yourself? These are just some questions that I ask myself. I don't know. Do I wake up in the morning knowing I'm gonna feel angry during the day? Sometimes, sometimes I wake up just bitter. It's like that saying, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and it dictates the rest of your day. Does waking up on the right side of the bed feel right? Or is waking up on the left side of the bed feel right why is one side wrong and why is one side right could anger be a good thing if you allow it to be or is it forever just a negative emotion and where does anger even stem from bitterness And where does bitterness stem from? Hurt? What kind of hurt? Hmm. I don't know. Is it an emotional hurt? A trauma? A trauma that just has engulfed you in its flames and will forever hold on to you and will never let go? For me, I think my anger started when I was younger. See, my parents always told me that my father was not my blood father. He is my father, don't get me wrong. That's my dad. He wiped my butt. 
When I was a baby, he changed my diaper. I even peed in his face as a little toddler. I think that deserves the title of father because that's fatherhood. Now for me, when I realized in the fifth grade that this man was not related to me by blood and the concept finally held grasp onto me, held onto me, I felt sad. I felt lied to, even though no one lied to me. Why did I feel lied to? Was it that there was a man who didn't want me? And that made me feel like I wasn't good enough. Hmm. Was that the bitterness that started it all? That sadness? That betrayal? Hmm. Then as I got older, those emotions never went away. And then people told me, oh, you have a father. That man's just a sperm donor. Don't think about it. Then that, then the world denied my bitterness. That turned into anger. That's interesting. It was the denial of my bitterness and the denial of my sadness. It's almost like sadness plus denial equals bitterness slash anger. Hmm. Who knows? And as I got older, I wanted to explore. What did I want to explore? I don't know. Myself? But I was unable to because this whole world has denied one part of my existence. My sadness. So that sadness turned into anger and it blinded me from the beauties of this world and what this world has to offer me. I eventually suck out my biological father. Didn't end so well. This is actually an interesting story. So my mom moved to LA. I was raised in DC and I was going to San Diego State when I was 18. And after the first semester, as my mom was moving to LA, she told me, do you want to meet him? I have his address. And I told her, yes, I do. And as we're driving to LA, we stop in Arizona. It was a Sunday night. I think it was around January 2nd. It's begin beginning of January. Sunday night around 7, 8 p.m. And I, my mom drives up. It's dark outside. She says, 
do you want me to go with you? I said, no. This is something I have to do by myself. So she, I get out of the car. She drives off. I see the cars in the driveway, so I know he's home. I see a light on. And I slowly walk up to the door. I'm nervous. I'm finally going to get some closure, I think. That's what I thought, at least. As I walk up to the door, I stand out there for a couple minutes, trying, trying with all my might to bring up the courage just to knock. And finally, I knock. One, two, three. Three knocks. And no answer. I quickly again knock again. One, two, three. Again, no answer. Now I'm trying to bring up the courage to do it a third time. So you know what they say, third time's the charm. And I've come so far and driven so much at that point that if I didn't do it a third time, I would regret it. I've come so far. Just for acknowledgement. I've come so far just to be acknowledged by a man that denies me. How interesting is that? That I, my existence has to be acknowledged by a man other than myself. It's kind of messed up if you think about it. So I bring up the courage after a good solid five minutes again of contemplating of all my actions up to that point and all the pains and all the sorrows up to that point. I knock again. One, two, three. A light shines onto me. And there's an intercom, and the intercom says, Who's this? What do you want? I say my biological father's name. And ask if this is the man speaking beyond the intercom. And he says, yes, this is him speaking. What do you want? I say my mom's first name. Do you know a Roxana? It's like, I don't know anyone by that name. I think you have the wrong house. And I'm like, let me rephrase that. Do you know a Roxana Gasares? It's quiet. I'll be right out, he says. Now my heart's racing. I don't know how I should be feeling right now at that current moment. I felt nothing. 
and scared at the same time. Why did I feel scared? Was because I, I didn't feel angry, that's for sure. Maybe I felt scared because I was going to be acknowledged for the first time. I was going to be acknowledged for my first time by a man that gave, that I'm part of, technically, genetically. He opens the door and it's like looking in a mirror. There's no denying that I'm not his. We look exactly alike. Then he takes me to the garage and we talk. I asked him questions of why, why didn't he reach out? He gave me an answer. He didn't know where I was, supposedly. Said that my mom made him sign off the rights to me. That answer sufficed at the moment, but then as I, later on, I thought about it. Would a man be okay with that? Because I know I wouldn't be if I had a child. <laughs> I wouldn't be okay just signing off my rights. That's my son, I would think. And I would want to be part of my son's life. But I digress. We talk more in his garage and it gets really late. And we talk about life and him, and family medical history, which was actually a good thing in the long run. Hmm. It got tough. It got tough to talk to him without wanting to cry. He cried, I cried, we both cried. And then it got really late, got tired. I told him, I'm about to catch an Uber back to the hotel room. He's like, no, let me drop you off. But let me go tell my wife first. And then now, he comes back down. And I'm just waiting in the garage. In the garage. Not even the decency to be in the house. Now, think about it. That's really messed up. Not even the decency to be in the house. And so his wife comes along. I say hi. She doesn't even look me in the eye and she goes straight to the car and opens the door and gets in. Almost like I did something wrong. 
I know I did nothing wrong. We get in the car, it's the quietest car ride of my life, and I sit in the back seat. We get to the hotel, and I write down my number. I was like, I would love for you to call me, and we could talk more and hang out. And he said, sure. I give the man a hug. I try to say bye to his wife, wife again. No acknowledgement. As if I was the embodiment of the devil or Satan or anger, whatever. Like I was evil. And I go back to the hotel room. And the man never called. I think that's where my anger really stems from. That I was denied a second time. Now for me to move on, I had to forgive that moment. Not for his sake or forgive him per se. I had to forgive the moment of denial so I could move on and live a peaceful life. Now, audience, I wonder what you hold on to. What kinds of anger do you hold on to? And where does it stem from? Because anger is toxic. It leads into every part of your life. Destroys you. leads to bad habits. Because you're trying to cope with it. Cope with the sadness that the anger derives from. You know, I drank way too much. I failed school because I partied way too much to fill that void in my heart. To fill a void that didn't even exist anymore. It was just a scar. And I was just gaping it open more and more each time I let anger win. Do you guys let anger win? Do you let it control you? Or do you let it motivate you? Now, I've forgiven that moment. And I let that sadness motivate me to be a better me. To be maybe a better husband. Better partner. And eventually a better father than he'll ever be. <laughs> Because I won't deny the existence of my child ever. Even if it was with a woman who wanted me to write off my rights to that child. I will never let another person's actions or needs or wants dictate my needs and wants. How about you? Do you dictate your emotions? Or do you let your emotions dictate you? Or do you let others dictate how you feel and should feel? Are you the one feeling angry? Or do you let another person's anger grab hold and fill your heart and turn your love and sadness into a negative emotion, into a negative entity?
Do you believe in a higher power? Or do you believe in nothing? Even believing in nothing is a belief. It's a type of faith. What do you have faith in? Because that's the only way you can go and forgive these moments and free yourself from anger and hatred. Because anger leads to hatred and hatred leads to anger. And it's a never-ending cycle until it destroys and eats everything up I still feel angry I'm human there's nothing I can do about that all I know is I let that anger motivate me to be a better me and to do better in this world and to help others and more importantly help myself what's the point of helping others if you can't help yourself And one way of looking at helping yourself is realizing you've already hit rock bottom and it can only get better from here. I mean, it can only get better. I mean, I've already been denied twice. So what's another denial? This world can deny me as many times as possible, but I've already felt the hurt and pain of denial. To a degree. Some pains and some denials are way more astronomical than that. You know? But it still had the same result. Anger. That result was anger. Now, do I react to what this world throws at me? Or do I react to myself? I I don't know. I'm still very young, so I don't know the answer to that question. But all I know is that I'll move forward and forgive these moments and transgressions and move on from them and become a better human being and be a better me. One that's not controlled by hatred or anger. Now that's my little spiel on anger. Now, I'll tell you some stories of what my anger has led me to do. (laughs) What kind of destructive behavior it led me to. It led. Led to. I mean, it led to some bad friends. Bad friendships because you attract like minded people. And I was hurt, so I attracted hurt people, people that were also hurt, who dealt with more shit than I'll ever deal with. They've dealt with more pains than I have. But like I said, the end result is anger, hatred, and hurt. Because these are people that have been denied their existence as well. I had one friend. And I was 
19 after I failed out of college. Same with Sergio. Man, he was a good guy deep down, but his angers got the best of him. So we both got caught up in a pyramid scheme um, called Smart Circle. I mean, straight up, they're a pyramid scheme. It's the people you see uh, in Sam's clubs and Costco that goes up, hey, real quick, let me show you something. You know those people? Yeah, that's a pyramid scheme. Um, But, you know, dumb, hurt, soaring hummingbirds, alter ego Christian didn't know better. You know, because he was hurt and just needed money, and it was a promise of ma- a manager manager position, and it was a quick way out, quick way up, I should say. Uh, but there's no quick way up. There's no such thing. You got to work for it, work hard. But nevertheless, I was still naive to think that we, I could have been in that position. But again, I digress. So Sergio also got caught up in this pyramid scheme and he just actually got out of the Marine Corps four months before he took the job. And that's when I met him. Good guy. He just got out of the Marine Corps. You know, I was part of a rugby team, so we kind of have the same sense of humor. Kind of same kind of stories of partying. And so we became really good friends, almost best friends pretty quickly. We both had interest in smoking weed, cannabis. I actually don't like the word weed. It sounds like a negative term, almost. Something that you have to pluck out and destroy. But yeah, we both had interest in smoking cannabis. And so we were working 80 hours per week for this pyramid scheme. We had no life except for each other and the other people that are in our also caught up in this pyramid scheme. And so we would smoke before our morning meetings and then right before we drove off to whatever Sam's Club or Costco's we had to go to that day. And then we would smoke afterwards because we were pretty, pretty much in the same boat, same location all the time together. And so... We had this habit. It was just a way to deal with the pains of this world and deal with the anger and sadness of our mundane day-to-day life filled with this fake excitement that we were doing work for ourselves, but really we were just being sucked dry of our energy like this company vampire, this vampire company. And so... At some point, my ex-girlfriend, my high school sweetheart, we get back together and she actually moves in with me. And I feel so bad for her at this point because I just was not at the best point in my life or the best boyfriend because I was so hurt. But I digress even more. But 
this is how everything started going downhill for both of me and Sergio, Sergio and I, or however you say it, because I didn't finish a sentence. Um, it was a Halloween party, one of our co-workers, and Sergio brings his uncle. Now, I knew his uncle was on drugs. I didn't know what drug, because I was very naive and young. And so, he comes to the Halloween party with us, and we all go. And we're all having fun, and the host of the party, our friend, he invites us to go smoke upstairs in his room. And we do that. And his uncle comes along. And his uncle brings out a little bag after we're done smoking. And he's like, does anyone want some ice? He says. If you don't know what ice is, it's meth. And I said, no. I'm okay. I don't need any of that. But my friend says, yes. Not, and the host of the party also said no, by the way. But that doesn't matter. Our friend already, my friend Sergio, said yes. So I leave him with his uncle, and they smoke meth. And from then, it was just downhill. He became a meth head, started getting into really bad stuff. We both quit that pyramid scheme because we both realized it was a pyramid scheme a little too late. It took us a little long while to figure it out. And so we kind of lose touch a little bit uh, because now he's selling weed, selling, you know, he's selling drugs to finance his meth habit at that point because he's sold all his electronics and sold all his clothes and sold all his valuables. And now because of myself and being in a bad place, me and my ex-girlfriend, we end up breaking up. Um, and so now I have more time. And then Sergio calls me up and is like, hey, Chris, can I ask a favor? I said, sure. Whatever you need, man, what's up? He says, can, I, can you give me and a friend a ride? I say, absolutely. I can give you and a friend a ride. Just give me your address of wherever you're at at this moment. And so he does, and I end up driving to the, to the barrios, basically, to this really ghetto part of town. And there's a rundown bar, and on top I see there's a patio. And I'm like, what is this? And then I see him on the patio waving, and so I park the car, and I go up into these stairs... And when I tell you this was like a trap house, it was like a trap house. It was ghetto. And it was run down. It was really ugly staircase. 
And so I'd go up, up the staircase to him eventually, and I'd say what's up to him. He got really skinny, because that's what meth does. Um, he looks pretty bad. I was like, hey, man, whose place is this? He says, it's my girlfriend's. And I thought we were homeboys, and I thought homeboys tell every everything to each other in a way. At least, not everything, but like at least who you're dating. And I was like, who who's your girlfriend? Oh, man, you remember that time I was bouncing at Foxy's? Which is a strip club, a really run-down strip club. Like, it was, it was basically hooker stripping, is what that place was. And so, I was like, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's that, uh, that, that stripper I fucked that one time. Yeah, we're dating now. I was like, oh, man, okay. That's cool. I'm not one to judge. I don't judge on anyone's choices in life, especially if it's love. You love who you want to love. And so, I said, it's a, I go into the apartment, and it's dirty. Like, I swear, like, there was, like, rats or mice running around on all the dirty clothes on the floor and food on the table and pipes everywhere. Filled with, probably smoked meth out of those pipes, not even cannabis, to be honest. There's crack pipes, too. It was an ugly, ugly place. But I'm not one to judge. I see the bu- a book on the ground. And I'm like, maybe this... This woman reads. That's interesting. That's something that's good. So pick up the book. And this should have been my sign to get the F out of there. It was a book. As I opened the book, and I try to find the title of the cover because there's no title page. Title. So I go to the title page. It's a book on satanic rituals. My mind is blown. What the hell am I getting myself into? So again, I'm not one to judge. I've met some people that just read stuff for fun, just to know stuff. And I'm not one to judge. And so then he's like, oh, let me introduce you to her. I'm like, okay, cool. So we go in the room and she is naked and getting dressed. I forget her name, but... Because I just wanted to forget everything about that moment. And that was such a long time ago. But I meet her and I sit down on the couch. This dirty crackhead couch. And I wait. It's taking a little while. I thought I was just going to give a quick ride. And so now I'm I'm uncomfortable. But before I could even say anything about my uncomfortableness... Sergio's like, hey, man, let me talk to you real quick. I'm like, okay. So we go to a different room, and he's like, hey, I'm not going with you guys. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going? I came here to give you a ride. And he was like, well, you're going to give me, you're going to give my girlfriend and this quote-unquote celebrity a ride. He did air quotes. I was like, what do you mean, celebrity? And I know Sergio was selling drugs and we're we're living in Texas in a border town. So that's not a good sign. And so he's like, he's a celebrity. 
in my field. I'm like, okay, man, be straight up with me. Is this man part of the cartel? And he's like, yes, okay. In my head at that point, I'm like, fuck. (laughs) What am I getting myself into? And I ask, okay, next question, man. Did you tell this man already that I was giving him a ride? He's like, yes, I did. Fuck. Now, I'm not one to start any beef with the cartel, so I'm like, I'm a man of my word. And so I give this man, I give my friend, hooker girlfriend, stripper girlfriend, or whatever she is, and this, and I arrive to this man. So we go. Again, I thought it was going to just be point A to point B. Keep that in mind. Um, so I go into New Mexico. And this other kind of barrio part of town. And I just wait there for a while. Girlfriend, the girlfriend tells me, just wait here. He'll be out shortly. Man eventually comes. Comes out. And gets in the car. And I'm like, where to? Gives me a location. But he's like, we got to make a couple pit stops first. And at this point, I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'm already this deep. I'm not pissing off a cartel member. I stay quiet the whole time. We go from pit stop to pit stop. And after all of this, it was not point A to point B. I was ending being this man's chauffeur for hours. And it's dark at this at the time we're finished. But the man gives me the best cannabis I've ever had in my life as payment. But the worst part is after a couple stops, after a couple of the pit stops, the girlfriend asks, Why don't you ask any questions? A lot of people ask questions. I'm like, I probably don't want to know the answer to anything this man is doing. The less I know, the better. And before this man gives me cannabis as payment, he says, I like you, man. And I drop him off at his final location for the night. And you think that would be the end of the story. But no, it's not. A couple days later, I get a phone call. I don't recognize the number. And I pick up the phone. It's him. It's the cartel member. Uh, I forget his name because I do not run or do not want to remember any of this. And so I was working at a hotel, by the way. And so I I worked really early mornings. Um, But I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. I'm just going to call the cartel member Billy Bob. I'm like, hello, and he was like, hey, it's Billy Bob. In my head, I'm like, shit. I'm like, hey, man, what's up? What can I, like, how can I help you, man? What do you need? And he's like, hey, man, uh, can you give give me a ride to Rizoso? 
if you don't know where Redoso is, it's in New Mexico. And from where I was at in El Paso, Texas, that's where I was at. Border town. Um, it's like a two-hour drive. And it's late. It's already like 7 o'clock p.m., 7 p.m., and I have to work early in the morning. I'm like, hey, man, unfortunately, I can't, man. I got to work early in the morning. And he's like, hey, well, can I borrow your car? I'm like, no, nah, man, I got engine work. It's I got my check engine light on. I don't trust it going anywhere. I don't want to break down on you. And he's like, well, man, I'll let you borrow my car if you let me borrow it. And I'm like, nah, that's a great offer, man. But again, my check engine light's on. It's been acting funny. I'm sorry, I don't want it breaking down on you. All this is a straight lie. And... This is where it gets really messed up. This is where it's really fucked up. He's like, well, man, I just, I really need to get my cousin. She's in a bad spot. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm sorry, man, but I don't want to break down. I don't even know it's going to make that drive. He's like, man, well, if if you do do this favor for me, I'll let you fuck my cousin. And just keep in mind, guys, I just broke up with my girlfriend. So that was a weird offer. But I definitely did not want to do that. <laughs> I was not that desperate in life. And I was like, nah, man. That's a great offer. But I unfortunately, again, I told you, my check engine light is on. And I don't trust my car getting to that point. And so... He hangs up the phone, and that was that. And that's when I vowed never to be this man, Sergio's friend ever again, because he got me involved in this hiasco. But yeah, that's where my my anger led me, where my sadness and anger and denial. And I've forgiven myself for all of that, and I've moved on. Now remember. Anger leads us to do crazy things and brings crazy people in our lives because they're also in the same point of feelings. So don't let it control you. Don't let the world control you, but you let the world react to you. Be confident with who you are. And you'll be surrounded by confident people and good people, not ones that are going to be fucking strippers, and getting you involved in the cartel and all these transgressions and all these point, points in your life, moments in your life you don't need. So remember, forgive yourself and you'll be welcome to the kingdom of paradise. And remember, just soar. <laughs>